Hello and welcome back to We're With The Brand. I'm Hannah. My name is Paula. And today we're talking about my favorite subject. What's your favorite subject? We're talking about <laughs> branding? <laughs> yeah, today we're talking about branding, my favorite subject. No, today we're talking about the best and worst of 2022. And you want to know why it's my favorite? Why? I love roasting people. I love roasting them for their fails. So here we are. It's my my one chance to really highlight the mistakes that brands have made and also praise uh, the good things that they've done too. So exactly. Um, Getting into the worst, but also the best. Yes. And we're going to obviously go worst first, finish up with the best. Of course. Bring it all together, you know. Give our opinion about things that you probably don't want to hear about. So that's okay. That's all the time. Um, yeah, we'll be talking about a couple of branding fails and wins of 2022 to kind of wrap this year up. Um, we're getting into December. So 2023 is right around the corner. Nope. I don't believe it. Honestly. I act Okay. Actually, I feel like we need to unpack that really fast. I saw a TikTok that said... And maybe it it was definitely speaking to me. It said, if you have a baby in 2023, they go to kindergarten in 2028. They graduate from high school in like 2035 or something like that. One of the years was 2035 and then graduate from college. It was like 2040 something. And I was like, there's just no way we're not going to get to those numbers, are we? (laughs) (laughs) I know. We are. (laughs) I can't conceptualize anything past 2025. I'm like, doesn't exist. I know. And it's not that far away. Not real. I know. (laughs) It's crazy. I know. Anyway, well, today we're focusing on 2022. Um, The number one fail not the number one fail. (laughs) The absolute worst thing that's happened this year. (laughs) No, I want to talk about uh, our first fail that we're going to talk about is the general fail of when brands greenwash. Greenwash is something that we've talked about before on the podcast, something that we both feel very passionate about. Um, Mm -hmm. But basically what happened is that there was a ton of companies that got called out for greenwashing in 2022. And as a reminder, greenwashing is when you claim to be sustainable, ethical, et cetera. And you're basically lying. It's kind of like you put up this like front of being green. It's green wash. It's not truly green. So mm-hmm. three companies that got called out for this were H&M. And this is not H&M's first time uh, getting called out for being a green washer. And also mm-hmm. it kind of comes as no surprise. H&M is one of those companies that's notorious for fast fashion trends and Mm-hmm. making a lot of bulk stuff, throwing away a lot of stuff. So H&M, mm-hmm. um, because they claimed that their clothes were made sustainably, however they weren't. Burger King got called out because they were marketing their Whopper as sustainable. Like, oh, our Whopper has sustainable sustainable ingredients, etc. However, the packaging that the Whopper comes in is not good for the environment. It has what's called, what is dubbed as forever chemicals, and that's really bad for the environment. And then Burt's Bees actually got called out for greenwashing. And to me, I was I was shocked because when I think of Burt's Bees, I think of 100% natural. Totally. Yeah. There's nothing else in their chapsticks except for beeswax and maybe some peppermint, <laughs> which is 
Not true. And actually, fun fact, Burt's Bees is owned by Clorox. So. And I listened to the Guy Raz, um, How I Built This podcast. Yeah. And there's one with the original founder of Burt's Bees, and they talk about selling it. Mm-hmm. But the the original company and the original uh, products, I almost said the original podcast, the original products were green, like they were natural, but that's what happens when you sell out to a big brand that has to mass produce yeah. um, in order to make money off it. They're going to, unfortunately, you lose that standard there. Yeah, that's true. You lose the standard, but you keep the same misleading packaging, um, you know? But anyway, they got called out because same thing. They say that their products are naturally sourced, et cetera. And a lot of them are. However, their products also contain harmful ingredients to the environment. So it's like that. Yeah, your products may be sourced naturally, but out of two products that are sourced naturally, you have five other ones that are those forever chemicals that are really bad. So you're not a true sustainable company, et cetera. And all of these are, they're all facing lawsuits like Bart's Bees. They ha- they're they undergoing a class action lawsuit. They actually requested for it to be dismissed, but mm-hmm. uh, they were denied. So the lawsuit is going through. Burt's Bees did decline to comment. I was doing some research. Doesn't look like Burt's Bees really mitigated in any type of way. Didn't They didn't really say anything. Because, you know, sometimes when companies mess up and when they fail, they usually take to their platforms and they're like, hey, like, we are sorry for doing this, et cetera. Like, we noticed that this was wrong of us. Like, we'll do better. Um, Burt's Bees got called out for that greenwashing. Looks like they didn't really make any official comments about it. And like I said, they try to get the case dismissed, which to me looks very bad. Um, mm-hmm. And they were denied. Um, H&M also, there was no real mitigation on their end. They didn't have a comment. And of course, this isn't the first lawsuit about greenwashing. And honestly, though, to the average consumer that probably doesn't hear this, I have to wonder, does this really even matter for brand image? You know, I feel like many consumers at shop and H&M probably aren't very aware of the ins and outs of all the lawsuits that H&M has against them. Yeah. Um, just something to think about. And Burger King actually, of the three, Burger King was the only one that kind of took a better step to become more sustainable. They actually reached out to their consumers and they vowed to ban the forever chemicals. Um, and they asked for feedback for their from their consumers to basically say like, how can we do better? What would you guys like to see in our packaging? What would you guys want to think about this, et cetera? So what this means, I want to get into what this means for these companies' brand image and reputation. H&M definitely broke their brand promise because I know that H&M does have a promise to be sustainable, ethical, et cetera. They broke their brand promise and to people like us that like kind of like know what's going on they're damaging their brand image however realistically h&m because they're so big realistically they're going to be fine but little by little if they keep messing up if they keep getting called out i think that we're just going to keep experiencing kind of like a loss of trust in them and any brand promise that they make is not going to be taken seriously Mm -hmm. Uh, for Burger King, since they rectified, since they kind of reached out to the consumers and like, hey, like, 
we're, we pledged to stop this. Like, yes, we did this. We want to know what you guys think. And I think that's a really key piece is they reach down. They're like, tell us, you guys tell us, we're not going to tell you we're sorry, but we want to hear from you what you want us to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that because they rectified in that way, they're going to be fine. And it's something to say for, you know, any marketing or branding fail, what really matters is how you rectify the situation, how you choose to mitigate it and what you do to kind of own up to your mistakes. Mm-hmm. Um, Burt's Bees is kind of like H&M. They didn't really make a comment. They didn't say anything. And again, realistically, because they're a pretty big company at this point, they're going to be fine. But again, there's a little bit loss of loss of trust and brand mm-hmm. image damage that happens every time a greenwashing scandal occurs. Mm-hmm. But fail number one, greenwashing. And it- I think we're going to continue to see this one. This I- one and... I would love to bring more awareness to it because it is really important to know what some of those like marketing keywords are, which is plant derived, naturally derived, things like that, that they use to appeal to that crowd and especially to the uneducated on it. Because if you're out there and you're like, okay, new year, new me, I want to make some swaps. I want to be a little bit more sustainable, a little bit more mindful of chemicals in my home, things like that. Um, and you just go to Target and you go to their clean, quote unquote, section, yeah. um, you're going to see all those keywords. You're going to see the green and the white packaging and you're going to assume that it's better for you. Um, but I really think knowledge is power there um, and knowing, you know, if you're going to support a brand for that reason, because it is clean, um, that it actually is clean and that you're not, you know, unfortunately being lied to because that really is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. And in the last episode, we just, uh, we talked about how colors and shapes and really the visual identity of a brand really can trick consumers. And it really works to the business's benefit. For example, if I'm selling you this cup and it has a little label on it, that's like a circle and the letters in it are really groovy. And it's just Mm -hmm. a very soft kind of feel. You're going to feel like, okay, like this is like fun, playful. And if I stamp the word like ethical on it in those soft, groovy, font you're gonna assume and trust that this is ethically made but i'm not really Mm -hmm. following as a brand i'm not following up on that promise like what do i mean when i say ethical did i say the plastic is ethical did i say the production is ethical what am i saying doesn't matter but it's like i can manipulate the consumer to think whatever i want um even to an extent with like you said you walk into target or you walk into like an aisle and there's a bunch of products packaged in green or products packaged in white or like a cream color, you're going to automatically think cleaner, better, trustworthy, good for the environment, good for me. And a lot of times that is not the case. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All good points. Um, the next fail, I do want to mention a little bit of a trigger warning um, because we are going to be talking about suicide and it's important to talk about it because I think how it happened and how it was um, addressed was actually really great. So I want to talk through it. But um, the topic is Ulta's Kate Spade email. Um, And if you're unfamiliar, what happened was Ulta sent out a um, email that was um, highlighting Kate Spade products. um, And the email subject line was come hang with Kate Spade. Um, And if you're not familiar, uh, that, is actually um, how she passed away. So 
I have a lot to unpack here, but I think the biggest issue here, other than the glaringly obvious, um, just unfortunate use of words, is the insensitive language around it. And that knowing that a big company like Ulta, who probably sends out to, I don't even want to know how many contacts they have, um, but you know a big company like that has a review process. There's multiple people who see the email before it goes out. Um, and for no one to catch on to that and that obviously being, I would say a relatively big, you know, loss that that community had, um, that the beauty community had and that even the fashion community had, um, to not catch something like that is just, it's really big, um, and unfortunate. So obviously it's a sensitive topic. Um, so that definitely heightens it and it definitely, creates more of an emotional um, response from, you know, the audience. But what I really liked that they did um, is that they mitigated it in a way that was mindful of people that it was, um, that it had affected. It was mindful of just admitting, you know, the mistake on their end. And some of the things that they did was um, they sent out an apology email and it was pretty soon after it was, you know, enough time for it obviously to be seen. Um, But that apology email was thoughtful. And it was like the perfect formula for a good apology from a company. Um, And what they did, oh, and I also want to say that they did also tweet um, and address it that way. But I think that the apology email spoke more to um, just their intentions behind it. And, um, bringing it down to a human level and essentially saying like, look, we messed up and we're sorry. Um, instead of, I, I guess there, there would have been a lot of ways to tiptoe around it of like, that wasn't our intention or we didn't mean to highlight a sensitive topic or anything like that. They took ownership of it, brought it down to a human level, made it so that the um, consumer who saw the email knew that they were acknowledging where they had messed up. So I think that that was ideal. I think that if a brand is going to make a mistake and, you know, on a lighter note, I think another one that um, I think it was HBO Max or someone who sent out an email and it was like the intern had sent it out before it was done. And they followed up with, you know, like, oh, sorry about that. Like someone gave the intern the password or something like that. That is still bringing it to a human level um, and, you know, making a big brand, just take it down to like, hey, we're human. We make mistakes. And that's exactly what happened here. Like we're human. There's a human writing that email behind the scenes um, and it was an honest mistake. So I think they handled it really great. They had multiple touch points, so multiple places in which they were um, addressing the concern. Um, And although I think it may have for a day or two, um, you know, really hit the brand because they were quick to apologize in a very thoughtful way. And it wasn't a rushed out, um, any pointing fingers or anything like that. It was a very intentional apology, um, that they were able to, you know, sustain that brand, um, awareness and familiarity long-term and it didn't really affect, you know, their sales or, um, anything like that. So I think that, overall like a really great lesson to learn from that is just to admit when you make a mistake as a brand um and also acknowledging we're humans behind the brand you know and 
there are mistakes that happen and you, uh, I guarantee can't be perfect all the time. And I think we touched on this in the episode about ethics as well. Um, just that your loyal following knows your, your heart behind your brand. Right. And like Ulta, for example, like they have, we've talked about them too, of just their desire to, you know, make, um, beauty, something that everyone can enjoy. And because they, you know, because they made an an error there doesn't mean that now their brand doesn't mean anything to a lot of people. So yeah, overall, they did a great job handling it. I'm sure their proofreading and editing and approval process was a little bit tighter now. Um, but I think it's a good lesson for everyone to learn from it. And especially on a sensitive topic to be mindful of what you're putting out and ensuring that, you know, you're not saying anything that could potentially, um, I, I don't know, I guess potentially trigger somebody else or, you know, shed light on something that is maybe not the most appropriate way to go about it. Yeah, for sure. And I do want to say, number one, I don't think that they've gotten that good at fixing their emails only because I'm subscribed to Ulta emails. And this happened like three weeks ago. I got an email and it was full of like, it looked like code. I don't know what code looks like. I'm assuming it was code. It was like a <laughs> finished email, no graphic design. And this was like an Ulta sent this out to their general entire mailing list because I got it. And I was like, you know, what what is this I clicked into it because the subject line had like hashtags and like percentages and like dots and and it, I think it said even something like rev one not rev one something one draft one. Oh, I got that one too yeah, yeah I yeah. remember that yeah so on one hand I'm like Ulta please do better yeah. this is the second time in a year not probably probably more than the second time that you guys are sending out emails without really you know, proofreading and making sure it's the right email to send. However, similar to the Kate Spade email, they were really good at following up almost immediately. And they got really creative with it. The subject line that they put in for that second follow-up email, they're like, whoops, like we got too excited for this deal. Kind of and see like, oh, we got Mm -hmm. so excited. We didn't even get to finish the email. Like obviously they made a mistake, but they have a little playful system on it, which I think again shows like they do a good job at mitigating mistakes however the fact that there's mistakes that that are kind of big mistakes I'm like and it is such a big brand like you know I think about even our review process for our own emails you know for UTech it's right I think I read four versions of it before it even goes to somebody else who approves it so um you know obviously on a greater scale when you're sending to hundreds of thousands of people I'm assuming like you gotta tighten it up. What's going on here? How is no, this happening? Not, like, Ulta. There's got to be a whole team dedicated to this, and I can't imagine that there's not a process. So, um, and it does take multiple. Uh, you know, no matter what platform you're pushing your emails out through, it does take multiple confirmations before you send it out. It's not like it just whoops. I accidentally press send. Like, it's not an iPhone message. <laughs> it is a. It always hits you with like, like, are you sure? Like publish now, push now. This will be sent out to all X amount of numbers of contacts. Everybody will see it. They're like, okay. Yeah. I truly wonder what's going on. But also to the point that you said, you know, it's, it's kind of like we can like move on. Like me as a consumer, like I'm not, even though this is the second time in a row that we've Mm -hmm. gotten some suspicious emails, 
I'm not like, I'm, we're going to shop from Ulta again. I'm like, okay, like you guys are weird. Get it together. But I'm still going to, I'm still going to go. still going to go get those holiday packs. Don't you worry. Still, still, still taking my happy butt over there and exactly. taking care of those holiday deals. So they do a great job of um, I, I, addressing it, but also that human level of whoops, you know? Yeah, um, yeah exactly. So, like, <laughs> Maybe don't do it twice in one year, but, uh, you know, it, it's natural to happen. So we'll see how 2023 goes for Ulta's emails. Let's all cross our fingers, say a prayer, dot our eyes that Ulta does not send out an accidental email in 2023. Please, Ulta. We're putting it out there for them. We're sending you all of our good energy and vibes. Yeah. No errors in 2023. Absolutely. <laughs> Okay, let's talk about wins. I yeah. want to talk about wins. Let's talk about wins. So the first one we want to talk about is Duolingo and their TikTok strategy. So Duolingo has had a really crazy year in, it was 2022, I think also towards the tail end of 2021 in terms of growth on their TikTok. Mm-hmm. Um, it almost seems like they went viral, quote unquote, overnight. That's not true. They've definitely been chipping away with their social strategy, but they did have a couple of videos that really blew up and kind of like catapulted them to um, being viral all the time and being like super, super well-known. Duolingo is already pretty well-known. But the thing is, is that Duolingo was pushing out a lot of viral videos. Um, they were getting millions of views, millions of likes on their videos. And I'm sure a couple of you guys have seen the videos. It's almost always has to do with the Duolingo owl, that little mascot that they have. Um, the Duolingo owl was trending. And there was lots of eyes on their account. So the way Duolingo did this is they followed a TikTok push strategy that's called Flash Flicker Flare, I believe. Probably not in that order. But Flash is proactive planned content. Flicker is reactive content. So participating in trends. And Flare is interactive large-scale campaigns. And they were doing really good with the Flicker aspect of that. And they were hopping onto trends. And they were using a type of personification for their brand through the owl mascot in order to mm-hmm. hop on these trends that proved really successful for them because they actually skyrocketed to number one in um, in the app store for education. So, which I think is great and crazy for a TikTok video, like something that starts off of TikTok to get you there to- yeah number one spot in the education sector in the mm-hmm. app store yeah. um, and it's all because of their tiktok strategy and probably maybe a little algorithm luck and magic but they sure. did they they really did great and so now they're known for their value that they bring to people which is you know helping you learn languages and educating you on stuff like that but also their connection to their consumers because they by participating in TikTok trends, but even being on TikTok in the first place, number one, you're hitting a whole different kind of demographic and audience on TikTok. Yeah. But also number two, you're kind of showing your your human side, right? Like, oh yeah, like yeah. I'll participate in a little silly TikTok trend. Okay, yeah. like I'll like use the trending audio. Like, okay, like I'll do this. And it's like, okay, like that's so funny. Like, oh, you're funny. I enjoy funny. You're dancing. Yeah. Maybe I want to do that, right? Like, yeah. So I think it's, it is really valuable to meet your audience where they're at. So yeah. if you know that demographic is on a platform, yeah, like, get your butt over there because I can't say that like Duolingo, like if Duolingo were to come to us and say, we don't have a presence anywhere, what should we do? 
right. would not have thought TikTok, right? I would not have thought TikTok, but as soon as they honed in on that, um, I guess just platform and demographic, they did the most with it. And I think that that is a really great reflection of, um, I would say that Flickr and that strategy is the most important, that reactive jumping on trends, being current with the times, because you can totally tell when a brand is behind um, okay. and they jump in on a trend and you're like, okay, that expired. Yeah, that's <laughs> you know, not that was relevant. That's not funny anymore. Like we're over it. We've moved on to something else. So really having, um, and I think in this case too, like one thing to acknowledge is that there had to have been a dedicated team to this. Um, So as a brand, being aware that that is not an easy task, you can't um, just go viral on TikTok, you know, that is definitely a lot of hard work and um, intentionality from the brand. So just something to highlight and acknowledge and kind of give them kudos for. Yeah, because I feel like a lot of times people think that you could just throw whatever on social media and it'll stick or that it's a game of luck, but like truly like Duolingo had a strategy and they Mm -hmm. had a team and that's that's why it worked. And so it also shows that even a platform like TikTok could have crazy results and numbers and engagement for your brand and it could do very mm-hmm. well for you, but you do have yeah. strategy and effort, even if it seems random, like, oh, they just hopped on a trend, like whatever. Like, no, they, they've yeah. been at that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um. So another great win um, is Patagonia. I feel so if- this is like a direct, um, like against the greenwashing fail that we talked about. This is like yeah. almost like a, in the same realm, but way, way off. But opposite. like they did it right. They did it right. <laughs> yeah, they, they did. And I, I do have to say that I have a friend who works for Patagonia. And I remember when this happened and her acknowledging it on her LinkedIn of just like, I'm so proud to work here. And yeah. okay, okay, let me get into what they did first. And then we'll go back to that. But um, the owner gave away the company to a trust that uses their profits to go towards climate saving efforts in the upcoming years. So let's just talk about that. I feel like you're a huge brand, you know, Patagonia is a huge brand. They are niche, you know, like they're, they're, they're aiming towards those people that love nature, that love to be outside, that um, love to be active, that are, um, you know, like that's what they're looking to do with their free time and their hobbies. Yeah. And it's a really natural fit to make efforts towards climate saving because these people are people who enjoy the environment, correct? So I think it's just, one, it shows the uh, values of the brand continuing to stay true um, to themselves, despite the fact that I'm sure he could have made so much money. You know, their products are not cheap. Could have made so much money, could yeah. have, you know, just be enjoying his life. Like, I think it's a hit. I think it's a him. I don't know. Yeah. Um, just enjoying their life, you know, really just like reaping the benefits of a brand that does really well. And instead, turn those profits into something that is important to their consumers. So I think it's really big. And like I mentioned, I have a friend that works for them. And um, to know that your employees are so invested in that same concept right like this this girl that i know is like she's like a rock climber she does like all the things outside so obviously this is important to her as well um so to know that you are doing something that not only is a 
you know, great move for the environment, but it also supports those values that you have and that you've been claiming, um, you know, as your ba- your brand builds um, and actually doing something about it. So I love it. I think about like Elon Musk and being like, would you do that? <laughs> like, would you take all of your profits for your, uh, well, I guess you're not saving any energy, but, you know, carbon emissions and all that good stuff. And would you put that towards making it more accessible for other people? No, like you're sending someone to space instead. So, um, you know, I think it just speaks a lot to that brand and, and being really true to the values and um, just doing something about it. But I do want to say for their brand and for their image and reputation, other than just being true to themselves, it gave them the opportunity to be um, broadcasted on more news outlets. You know, it was a big deal. It was something that everybody kind of wanted to yeah. say their piece on. Yeah. Um, they also grew their Twitter following and I'm going to just assume probably they're following overall. Um, and especially to that um, group of people who, you know, enjoy activities outside and, and enjoy Patagonia products in general. Yeah. Um, it created like a ton of buzz and publicity around their, um, their brand. And in return, what you get is that increased trust, um, obviously brand awareness of Patagonia. If you, if you aren't familiar with it and you see it all over the news and you see that their, you know, owner did something great for a lot of people that affects a lot of people. I mean, affects the planet. Like that's a big deal. Um, that's going to obviously shed a great light on your brand. So I feel like he did it the right way. (laughs) He did. And I think that this is one of the first times that I've ever heard about anything like this, you know, someone literally giving away their company, to the planet essentially that's kind of what they even I think they even gave their employees a day off they're like hey congratulations to us all like we just sold like our company essentially to the earth to take care of it for generations to come every one of our workers you get the day off like let's be like that is so yeah is like beautiful and it truly does speak to like their brand values and it's something that all the time but you have to stay true to who you are as a brand in order to make any kind of impact and to be seen as reliable and trustworthy yeah, I think it's so big. And I think that community, it needed something like that, you know, like that community needed to be acknowledged, I think. Um, so to know that someone, a brand who plays a big part in that community, sacrificed, you know, for the sake of the environment, um, yeah. is just it, like it definitely hits, hits the heartstrings, but it also just connects people to the brand even further. So it was a really good move on their part. Um, and also it's just cool. Like that's such a cool thing to do. Um, you know, there's so many other ways you could use profit. I'm sure to enjoy his life more than he already does, but, um, to give it up is really cool. Yeah, it's true. He was really about it. He really said, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it right. Which I appreciate. And you know, here's the thing. Not every brand that you support is going to care about that. And that's okay. But I think, if it is a brand that you really love and trust and they do something like that, that, you know, is selfless and, you know, is, you know, I, I think I've, I've brought up rare beauty so many times, but I just want to say that one of the latest things that happened was that um, obviously it's Selena Gomez brand and she came out with a documentary on um, Apple TV and she highlighted just her mental health struggles and, um, you know, really shed a lot of light on that community. 
and um, following it, she was able to raise, I, I don't want to butcher the numbers, but I know it was, it, it was high up there of money that goes directly to um, people who need uh, financing towards uh, mental health resources. So um, that's another thing that's like, Hey, you could have just made a ton of money off of, you know, your music and your, your brands and your um, just your documentary in general, and you could have pocketed, but instead you're obviously, this is something that you value and that you're really passionate about and you're going to get back to your community that supports you and also serves them in a way that is obviously life-changing to them too. So kudos to her. Um, and I will continue to support her because I think that um, any brand that makes, you know, an effort to be inclusive um, and even, you know, about the hard stuff is really admirable. Agree. Well, as always, we will list all of our sources down in the show notes. Yep. Um, Thank you so much for listening. If you have any uh, fails or wins that you want to share, comment it. <laughs> if you're on YouTube, comment it down below. If not, send us a DM on Instagram. I want to. I want to see if anybody will DM us. But um, the UTech, the <laughs> UTech agency, uh, <laughs> follow UTech agency, um, and we will highlight those too. But as always, thanks for listening. And until next time, we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.